Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Hi, I'm Lawrence Katsaris and thanks again for joining me on Your Health Guide. I'm with the knowledgeable naturopath and researcher Asha Bleachmore, who shares with us some practical dietary and lifestyle tips to help support healthy hormone levels in women. Asha gives us some specific recommendations on foods to include to enhance estrogen metabolism and clearance to help regulate the body's hormonal levels, as well as foods to avoid that could be contributing to your hormonal imbalances. We also chat about exercises that will not only improve your general health factors, but can also have a direct impact on your hormonal status and specific PMS symptoms. asha has got some great simple tips in here that's appropriate for every woman to enhance your hormonal health. In the last episode, Asha, we talked about components of general health that will affect a woman's hormonal health. And one of those components was diet and lifestyle. Now, what are the factors and things that a woman can do with her diet and lifestyle that can improve her hormonal health, irrespective of whether she's got a hormonal condition or not? Yeah, so one of the main things that I would um, really start to look at and educate my patients around is really a whole food diet. So making sure that we're including a lot of healthy foods that are, uh, basically come from real food and getting rid of things like packaged and processed foods um, that can start to you know, cause problems for us. Okay, so it sounds like there's a couple of things that you're wanting to really include in terms of whole foods and a couple of some nasties that you're advising patients to be avoiding. So what's the components of the diet that you want to be really focusing on making sure is in there in every meal yeah absolutely so um, good amounts of quality protein would become important for regulating blood sugar levels because that is you know something that has cycles in itself and that can have issues with um, if that's going out of balance that can then throw other hormones like our female um, hormones out of balance as well but really I like to focus on a lot of um, when I'm talking about whole foods I'm talking a lot of a plant-based diet so some of the things I really like to um, get my patients to focus on is green leafy vegetables or greens in general because they can give us a lot of nutrients that are important for supporting our health but also helping to metabolize hormones um, and yeah keep things at a really good balance for us. Now I know that we always hear this it'll always be like green leafy vegetables are really good for you but here you're saying they contain particular ingredients within those vegetables that actually help that body metabolize and clear those that estrogen specifically more effectively, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So really important to be making sure that we're eating those dark grain leafies. Yes. Um, one of those that we, and no doubt you're going to talk about it anyway, is we know and love for hormone balance is broccoli. Mm. And, you know, broccoli contains these ingredients that really help to regulate that estrogen in her, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And her and him, I suppose, as well. Um, so outside of dark or beyond dark leafy greens, um, what other factors should we be making sure is in the diet? Yeah, so the other thing that we can be getting from things like whole grains and having those whole vegetables um, and fruits is things like fibre. So fibre becomes really important for supporting our digestive health and we spoke a little bit last time about how an imbalance in our digestive health can drive or affect um, our hormone levels directly but can also worsen some of these conditions. So it's really important that we do um, what we can with our diet to help to keep our digestive system in a really 
healthy balance. Um, and fibre becomes really important for supporting the beneficial bacteria in our gut, known as our microbiome, um, which we mentioned is um, why that's important. But it also helps to keep us um, having regular bowel motions. So there was an interesting study that I read where they actually um, gave either fibre or a medication to um, fibre to increase um, uh, bowel motions or a medication to actually slow down the bowel motions and how that had a direct impact on estrogen levels. And what they found was those that had the more regular bowel motions uh, actually had lower levels of estrogen, whereas when they gave the medication to stop them, basically essentially make them constipated, their estrogen levels increased. So that helps to give us a good indication as to how important things like making sure that we're having um, bowel motions regularly can play an impact on directly on those hormone levels within the body. Because when we are metabolizing our estrogen, and this is in men and women, is that it will be metabolized and then it will be moved to the bowel and then need to be removed from the body, right? And so the reason why you're saying that that was helping to, I guess the reason why they're finding that in the study is because people could be metabolizing their estrogen, which we've talked a lot about, but then if they're not actually removing that from the body, it'll then can be then just recirculated it, can't it? Mm, and adding back to that overall estrogen pool and total level of estrogen in the body. Yeah, so if she's constipated, she could be metabolising her estrogen fine, but then just recirculating that metabolised estrogen and, add, as you're saying, adding to that pool. Yes. Now, one thing probably just to clarify for the listeners is when you're saying in the study they had lower levels of estrogen with fibre, that's not necessarily a problem if a woman's already suffering from low levels. It's just helping to make sure the body is effectively clearing the estrogen that it should be clearing. So just in case our listeners are thinking, oh, my estrogen might be a little bit low, maybe I should avoid fibre, it's not going to have that um, problematic effect. It will just help to bring estrogen that's too high, make sure the body can rid that excess estrogen effectively. So fibre critically important to support the digestive health, to support the elimination of estrogen effectively, your dark leafy greens, any other particular ingredients or foods that we want to be including yeah there are certain foods that can also help to support the detoxification and regulation of um, our hormone levels so things like uh, mushrooms oranges some of our herbs and spices so things like parsley um, and even things like cabbage can also become important for giving us some of those ingredients that are also involved in our detoxification of estrogen yeah cool and a lot of these foods tend, tend to be missing in a lot of our common diets, isn't mm. it? So just working through that varied and whole food diet, as you're saying. Yes. And what about any other in sources, ingredients, vitamins, minerals that we want to be making sure we're including? Yeah, Anything abs- else? Absolutely. So um, good quality fats is another one that I certainly um, try and ensure makes part of the diet as well. So we can get in, we can be getting that through good quality sources of uh, oily fish. Um, we can also be getting it through things like nuts and seeds and avocado. And these um, good quality fats can become important for us in a number of different ways. Um, one of the ways is they're anti-inflammatory, so it can help to regulate the um, inflammatory response that we've spoke about how that can have an impact on the hormones um, but these fats themselves can also become important for the actual physical production of hormones within the body as well so if we don't have good amounts of healthy fats that can actually impact the production of um, hormones in the body so important that a woman is getting enough of good fats every day yes um, in terms of the portions of some of the other ingredients in the diet that we've talked about is there any kind of 
ballparks that you look for for people trying to achieve in terms of the dark green leafies or protein, etc. Yeah, I normally um, try and recommend patients to go for um, you know a serve of protein with each meal. Uh, and then when it comes to veggies, I like to think of um, for me it, a meal isn't complete unless there's got green something there. So I think of that as an important part of every meal when when you can. And you're looking at you know several handfuls of um, good quality veggies with with each of those meals uh, maybe one to two serves of fruits per day um, and yeah looking at um, a, a serving or two of nuts throughout the day as well yeah great and especially as a lot of people become a little bit more conscious about consuming gluten what we can tend to see is that as they get off wheat they lose a lot of that fiber like a bread and our pastas were easy sources of fiber for people and putting in that amount of plant-based food, as you're talking about, like one, two handfuls of plant-based foods per meal is probably a lot compared to, I think, from what most of our patients are consuming and what a lot of us may be consuming on day to day. And that then gives you that nice amount of fibre. So I think, I guess, just tying that back with what you're saying about the importance of fibre and the importance of those plant-based foods, you kind of covering two of your bases there when you start to make sure you, you're implementing enough of those in your, in your day-to-day diet. Mm, absolutely. Now, is that pretty much it for what we need to be focusing on and including? Yeah, that covers most of it, yep. Okay, what about the factors that we need to be avoiding? Yeah, so when we're thinking about what's included in a whole food diet, again, we're looking at whole foods and I'm thinking about um, what um, whole foods are often come from plants and uh, we want to be consuming those as close to what they look like as food so I want to be identifying and looking at if I'm preparing a meal I know what those ingredients are because I can physically see them so we we want to be avoiding things like processed foods so if we can't necessarily identify what it is because it comes in a packet or it's really highly processed then they're the kind of things that we want to be um, avoiding within the diet. So we're talking about things like um, bakery foods or um, processed desserts or sugary foods or um, like highly processed refined grains um, or really packaged foods um, in general. Yeah, it's. I'm just actually thinking that what you're talking about there is similar to discussions I've had with Claire Murray, another naturopath on a detox diet. And we were talking a lot about the fact that a detox diet is really just pulling out a lot of that junk. Mm. And for those that haven't checked out that episode, Claire gives some really practical tips on how to just prep up uh, some meals and plan for the week so that you can do what you're talking about as well, Asher, about implementing whole foods, getting away from those packaged processed foods that have got a lot of those nasties and artificial colours and flavours in it and just moving to more of a a natural-based, plant-based, you know, protein diet, which is Claire was talking about relevant for detoxification. But, I mean, it's all ties in together. It's what you're talking about here for helping with, I guess, essentially detoxification and elimination of those hormones. Correct. So eliminating those processed and packaged foods, um, high sugary foods, what else is it that we need to then be avoiding? Yeah. So um, when I'm talking about processed foods, I'm also thinking about pros- um, like packaging that's associated with those foods and how that might link into, um, you know, if we're talking about detoxification, we're talking about things like chemicals in our environment or that we might be exposed to in our food that can have a direct impact on our hormone levels. So a really um, example of this that's becoming more um, 
more widely understood is BPA, which is found in a lot of our plastics. So it can be simple things like um, not drinking out of plastic water bottles, or if you've gone to the effort of making this really great whole um, whole food dinner and you're taking leftovers for lunch, then not heating that up in a plastic container, because we're actually understanding that BPA can act um, very similar to an estrogen within the body and can directly affect um, a whole range of different hormone symptoms as well. So it's about eliminating packaged processes foods but it can also be about eliminating the packaging and it can also be about if we're we're thinking about the artificial colors or flavors or nasties that we might be getting in our foods how does that translate then to our households so if we're talking about um, considering the other ingredients in our skincare products or um, beauty products or cleaning products um, they're the other sort of things that to you know consider when we're actually looking at um yeah, things that can drive inflammation or things that we need to be aware of that could also be contributing to these symptoms. Mm, okay. And so for those that aren't aware, BPA is a plasticizer or bisphenol A. And we talked um, with Asha in a previous episode about how this can affect our hormonal levels. And I've also talked with Claire Murray about this in our detoxification series about exactly what you're discussing now about how to remove these, making sure we're not heating foods and storing foods in plastics and how to re- removing some of these other hormonal disrupting or endocrine disrupting chemicals from our household environment and from our diet and so for those that want some practical tips on exactly where you can start with doing that in your home and how you do that and easy resources and cheap resources about substituting those products check out the how to detox your environment part one and part two um, with claire murray and we walk through walk through that and i think what you're reiterating here asher is again how interconnected and important healthy detoxification and compound elimination is for our hormonal health, aren't you? Absolutely. Any other factors that we want to be considering to be making sure we're not contributing to that burden and worsening that hormonal accumulation and what we can be doing to avoid particular foods or chemicals to help with our hormonal balance? Yeah, sure. So the other one um, that's uh, maybe not as um, well received by some patients is the impact that alcohol can actually have on our hormone levels. So there's um, there was an interesting study that I read where they, um, they gave women two standard um, alcoholic drinks per day for three months and monitored their hormone levels. And it was found that those that consumed um, the alcohol actually had higher levels of estrogen. And what the study actually found was the increased consumption of alcohol at two standard drinks, which is by no means actually considered excessive alcohol and would be, um, you know, could be common for a lot of people as considered normal consumption of alcohol, actually led to the increased um, estrogen levels because it affected the body's ability to be able to detoxify and clear what was naturally being produced. So this is an example of it wasn't necessarily that the alcohol was... um, contributing to the amount of estrogen within the body as we were talking about with plastics it's actually reducing the body's ability to be able to handle the estrogen levels that it's actually been exposed to yeah wow and i mean something that a lot of women would be doing uh, that could unknowingly be contributing towards their hormonal problems Mm, yes Wow, and so yeah, probably certainly not a popular thing to be asking people <laughs> to be because sometimes it's also used as a little bit of a crush to deal with other factors that are going on for sure. So yeah. making sure that we're trying to minimise that alcohol intake uh, alongside the rest of those dietary interventions. Anything else then? Any other fun that you're trying to pull out of our diets? 
that they're really the main ones as far as um, dietary is concerned. But if we're talking about um, stress uh, or talking about alcohol and how that's helping us cope, it does kind of link into well, if people are using alcohol to help to um, help them sleep or help them cope uh, better with stress, then stress, as we mentioned last time, has got a really big impact on our um, overall hormone levels and these hormone conditions. And it really needs to be a part that we can start to identify. So it can be a matter of um, just even sitting down and looking at, well, what are some triggers for stress and what are some areas that are going on within someone's life that we can actually start to make some changes that's contributing to their overall stress levels? Or what sort of coping tools can we be adding into their daily life that can actually help them deal better with that stress so it's not having so much of an impact on their physical health um, and that you know is less likely to be then driving their um, hormone uh, conditions or other associated um, symptoms as well. So dealing with the stress instead of just trying to like ease the symptoms of that and I guess that's where having a conversation with a practitioner can be really effective to provide you with their objective and effective strategies and techniques to help you identify what some triggers might be and tools that you can be using to help reduce your exposure or enhance your adaptation to that stress and then maybe addressing those factors such as like you know poor sleep or you know if we're kind of stuck in a stress cycle where we feel so stressed everything's stressing us out that's where practitioners can come in and and look at targeted supplementation to kind of ease that load and Mm. turn down the volume on that stress yeah definitely Now, is there um, lifestyle factors that you like to use with reducing stress or outside of that, just lifestyle factors that you like to use for improving hormonal health in general Mm. so exercise is another one that I like to include and encourage patients to do for a whole number of different reasons Um, it can be a really great way for us to cope better with stress and um, a particular example would be in the case of premenstrual syndrome so a lot of the symptoms whether they be physical symptoms as far as cramping or pain um, breast tenderness fluid retention or whether they're more of those stress related symptoms as far as anxiety or irritability um, or even um, problems sleeping can actually be improved by regular exercise and in this case we're not wanting to add to the amount of stress within the body so we're not necessarily talking about high intensity stress um, exercise we're more talking about regular exercise and movement getting the body moving can actually be really uh, effective for managing the symptoms associated with um, premenstrual syndrome okay so what kind of frequency you're looking at there yeah absolutely so we're talking for about you know 20 to 30 minutes about four times a week and just getting out whether it's a matter of walking the dog or um, just finding things that you team sport things that you enjoy things that you can do regularly about getting your body moving it doesn't have to be um, you know flogging yourself on the treadmill or um, anything necessarily um, you know weights trainings that you might not enjoy or anything like that it can just be a matter of um, you know going to a Zumba class with girlfriends or something else like that that you can incorporate as far as the um, getting your body moving and um, yeah, getting those sort of things happening. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's, it makes it a lot more realistic in terms of framing that up as movement, making it fun. And, you know, we're not talking about having to do hardcore PT sessions here. You're just basically just saying, 
get get some regular movement and, and exercise happening four times through the week for mm. 20, 30 minutes, was it? Yeah, yeah. Unless it's the – and that's the gym stuff that you love and if, if that is what you do and that's part of your stress relief and that's part of um, what makes you feel good, then absolutely continue to do that. It's more about if that creates more stress on your body, then that's not necessarily going to help you in this particular case if that's one of the main the yeah, main sure. things. So it's all about working on um, – what's going to, going to contribute to um, where you need to find that balance. And for some people that might be highly stressed, it could be, you know, more of a relaxing walk would actually be having having that balance or it could be a yoga session that would also become really important there as well. Mm, okay. And just to clarify, exercise isn't important just if you're stressed, but regular exercise at the frequency you're talking about has been shown to improve hormonal health in women and you kind of get those effects at that four times a week 20 30 minutes Mm. if you want to go higher and harder than that go for it absolutely but that's kind of the level you start to get that to get a therapeutic effect Mm. now i know that you've also seen studies on particular types of exercise improving symptoms as well Mm. can you run us through that yeah there was a study that i um that i read where they actually did focused um core uh, training core strength training so it was more sounded more like a pilates type style where they were actually working on building up the um, abdominal muscles and core training in patients with endometriosis and pelvic pain and what they found was improving the core muscles and then that improving the posture and they actually looked at um, the tilt of the spine and the posture those that actually had the improved posture and strengthening of their core muscles actually had a significant improvement in their pelvic pain, um, which sounded a bit counterintuitive. If you're the one experiencing the pelvic pain, then obviously um, a lot of times we want to be resting and we don't want to be overdoing it and um, it doesn't. Um, we want to be avoiding some of those exercises because we think it's going to make the pain worse, whereas this was actually targeted specific um, exercises that over time actually significantly reduced the amount of pain that these women were experiencing. Yeah, fascinating. That's, that's so again working with the whole body mm. and that will improve the hormonal health any other lifestyle tips that you like to implement actually to be honest Lawrence that's that's pretty much it I like to try and um, get some really foundational things happening and working on those uh, that you know simple things that we can start to make changes in our everyday life and what we find is as we've spoken about these often it takes 30 days or so to have a cycle so it's not necessarily about the type of results that you might get straight away it's how do we make these foundational long-term changes that are going to have the biggest impact on our hormone health what are some of the things that we can implement and become part of our diet and lifestyle in a healthy way long term to get the best results really good point about making sure they're consistent so you're working mm. with some simple strategies that women can be implementing that they can be consistent with and that you're not necessarily going to see a result with that within a week that they might need to be looking at doing this for you know a month two months and they might start to be looking at getting some results there so that's fantastic for sharing us sharing with us some of those tips about you know lifestyle factors frequency of exercise what kind of levels of exercise we're looking at you know dealing with core um, muscle groups and dealing with core stabilizing exercises if we've got pelvic pain um, stress reduction techniques and then making sure we're including whole foods fiber dark reef dark leafy greens uh, in the diet and good fats and omega-3s and avoiding those processed and packaged foods and that you know high and regular alcohol consumption really like decreasing that alcohol consumption down so thank you so much for those really practical tips there asha i'm sure that can help every woman enhance their hormonal harmony not a problem thanks for having me 
Thanks for listening to Your Health Guide. Any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au. To help you continue on your health journey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you found this episode useful, please rate and review us. If you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition, please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.